Hey, and welcome to the Happy Rant Podcast. I am your fill-in host, Barnabas Piper, here as always with my co-host and partner in radio, Ronnie Martin, while Ted is visiting family this week, so he is out, and uh, and so we're taking it uh, without him, and so my apologies in advance for my unprofessional transitions <laughs> and my, my general lack of skill at hosting. Uh, he's the he's the man. I'm just I'm just his backup, and hopefully I can get us to the finish line. Pipe, you're going to do great. Let me just let me give you some encouragement right off the bat. Okay, so right. my wife just recently listed uh, listened to something you hosted with. Uh, I think it was Russell Moore and Beth Moore at your church, and she just was going on. Uh, I mean, rather annoyingly on and on about how well you did and what a great host you were. I know this is not the same thing. I know it's not a one to one. But um, so what you're saying is you're not Beth Moore. Well, I'm not Beth Moore or Russell Moore. Okay. And um, but you're still Barnabas Piper. So let's just see what you can. Uh, let's just see what you. What kind of magic trick you can pull out of your hat for this one? Yeah. We'll see what I can do. And oddly enough, what we're going to do on this episode is very similar to what I had the chance to do then, which is field questions from listeners for a podcast thing. And then uh, throw it to somebody else to talk about. So that's that's how this is nice. going to go today. I mean, that's really what hosting is, right? I mean, yes, exactly. Yeah. It's yeah, I don't have to have any opinions. I just need to move to the next thing. <laughs> uh, but before we get into that, let me highlight um, a couple of our sponsors. So this is going to come as a surprise to you. Our first sponsor today is you because you have released some brand new Christmas music or are releasing some brand new Christmas music, depending on you know when this all releases. And I think you should tell listeners about it and where they can get it. Oh, I appreciate that, Pipe. Um, it's actually not Christmas music. It's just being released around Christmas time. Oh, I so, just I um, saw the artwork and it was very wintry and felt festive. So I assumed Christmas music. Also, yeah, well, you being the deep and abiding <laughs> lover of Christmas just seemed logical. Well, it's um it it does look like Christmas. It's not actually a Christmas song, but it's kind of winter themed. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so um after after um so many years, I I recorded my first solo album and uh, so that's coming out in January and we had a couple singles drop, the first one a couple weeks ago. The next one, which is a song called Snow Like Wool, which kind of has a wintry Christmas theme. It's even though it's not really a, a hard Christmas song. That comes out on uh, December 3rd. And you can go to velvetbluemusic.com um, and order a bunch of goodies that comes with the single. So the single is actually an actual product. You can get you can also get it digitally, but we're releasing it CD format, and we have posters and trading cards and stickers and all Who kinds did of the stuff. Artwork that come. for that because it's really good. Yeah, so it's actually a guy that I've been working with for years named Nathan Schrader, who did the artwork on uh, that Advent book I did for uh -huh. kids a couple years ago, The Best Gift Ever Given, uh, which, by the way, you can you can also – there's probably still a few days to get that before the season. So I'm just – I'm in promo overload right now. But, um, but, the, but the music stuff I'm really excited about, and it's been a long time coming. And um, yeah, so full-length album. Uh, dropping uh, in January. That'll be on all formats. So that'll be vinyl, CD, cassette, um, and really? all kinds You're doing of doing cassettes. Doing cassettes too. Love it. Cassettes have kind of made a comeback, you know, and kind of in hit, sort of, you know, with with the hipsters. And uh, so yeah, we're 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 able to do it on all the all the formats, and it's uh, it's really exciting. That the first single dropped a couple weeks ago, and um, the reception was really good, and way more than what we were anticipating and expecting. And so, um, yeah, just uh, it's it's good times. And again, velvetbluemusic.com. You can uh, you can 
you can uh, you can get everything there. So. Awesome. We'll link to that in show notes and everything too, listeners. So, and speaking of show notes, you can find those at our our brand new website. It is thehappyrant.com. I think I've just utterly butchered that in previous episodes and basically been like, I don't know, Google it. So it is thehappyrant.com. That is where our show will be hosted. It's also where all of our new merchandise is. Uh, so we have, we're working with Josh Byers, who runs Visual Theology, who's been a, a partner of ours for several months. He is, he does all the designs on those. And then uh, the company we work with to get those, those shirts made and everything does really high quality stuff. So we have a bunch of new t-shirts. There's uh, one of those canvas tote bags. There's a fanny pack. There's also some new merchandise that'll be dropping soon. Some different designs, different products, really high quality. And uh, probably through about the end of the year, we'll be offering free shipping on everything. So, um, Mm. What's the, the price you see there is the price you pay, free shipping. So again, go to thehappyrant.com, check out our merchandise. It is the season to be giving gift ideas to people. So listeners, you probably have friends and family who have no idea why you like this show, but uh, that doesn't matter. You send them that link and say, hey, I want this shirt for Christmas. They take care of it. They get free shipping. You get awesome merchandise and uh, and everybody wins. So be sure to check that out. Um, and that's just that's just where you can go to get information about the show, future live events as we find details on those. The next one will be in April. Uh, that will all be at thehappyrant.com. So we need to move into our topics for the day. These were all listeners submitted via Instagram. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram. Uh, just find us there. So these are these are kind of all over the map. But the first one is something that we we had kind of texted about, and there was multiple listeners who who submitted questions about this very thing. And it's basically Taylor Swift. Why is she a mm. thing? And uh, I know that neither you nor I keep up with Taylor Swift's music very well. But you had some thoughts on. Taylor Swift, the phenomenon, or rather the phenomenon of middle-aged men and their interactions with Taylor Swift. So fill this in for me. Taylor Swift as a phenomenon amongst middle-aged men, what's the deal? Yeah, I don't know. You know, it, it's it's a great question. I, I'm just kind of going off of some of the action that I've, I've, I've seen on Twitter. Um, now, I, man, I, I can't – I don't even know if I can – I can probably – I can sort of maybe recall one or two of Taylor's like big hits. I'm not a fan. Um, I don't have anything against Taylor. It's just she's never drawn my interest. Um, If I probably if I probably weeded through her albums, I'd probably hear some great material, some great catchy pop songs, which I'm I'm a huge fan of of big catchy pop songs. Um, So it's this has nothing to do with me trying to go to the contrarian side and say, oh, it's ridiculous. No, she's a great artist. Um, She's a good songwriter. A lot of talent there all that good stuff. Um, I think, I think what's kind of weird for me is um, if, if people want to embrace liking or loving or being a fan of something or in, in, in our case here, specifically a, an artist, I, I'm of the mindset that you just do it and you don't try to do it ironically and you don't try to do it as a way to get like laughs or, or a way to get winks and nods. And so what I've seen on Twitter specifically um, especially kind of nerd theology Twitter, it seems like. So maybe there's some tie in there we can we can kind of chat about. But just yeah. sort of this like wink nod, like oh, the new Taylor Swift album dropped. Um, I'm gonna be you know I'm gonna be standing in line you know all night at Best Buy waiting to get the CD. This would have been like ten years ago, you know, or fifteen years ago. But it's that sort of mentality. I don't know. Nerd theology Twitter might actually think you still have to do that to get. They it. still might. Yeah, you still might have to do that, right? So I think so. There's just this vibe where you get these guys and they say that. 
and they say, you know, and I'm going to be filming myself, like, you know, singing along, you know, in the car on the way, on the way to, you know, whatever, my prof gig at a seminary, you know, on Monday. And they're, they're just, they're looking for somebody to give them a reaction. Like, you're kidding. You mean you like Taylor Swift? You know, and it's like, it's that kind of vibe that just, I don't understand. Um, because again, I mean, when you're an artist as big as Taylor Swift, like it, everybody loves her. It's not like something where it's like, Hey, I'm, I'm 67 years old. It's weird that no, no, she has a ton of seniors. I mean, she has, she, she covers all the age groups and the demographics. I mean, she wouldn't be as global of a superstar. as She was, if she didn't, she's just become, she's like a, she's an America's sweetheart kind of household name, musical artist. So every, she's, you know, everybody loves her. So this whole thing about theology, Christian nerd, Twitter, trying to wink nod themselves through Taylor Swift's new release. I just kind of go, huh, okay. I mean, just, just say you can't wait for the record and you're stoked. I, I don't yeah, know what is the, what, what is the, cause I feel like that's, that's, you know, to, to use Ted's phrase, this is persona work. This is mm. somebody who, who lives in tweed and khaki, um, attempting to look like something else or give off like, Hey, I've got a, a fun, lighthearted, whimsical vibe or something. What, what yeah. is the persona they're going for? I mean, that's the question, man. I mean, I have I have no idea other than, you know, this is what it might be, Pipe. I don't know. Let me get your take on this, too. I, what it could be is that these guys that are so in that that have these sort of careers or these vocations that are that are so intensely serious. I don't know if it's their way of saying, hey, I like things that are light and frivolous and don't have to be, you know, so heavy and don't have to have all this existential meaning to them. I can just I can like Twinkies, I can like a good burger, I can like Taylor Swift and, you know, don't at me. You know, it's like that kind of a vibe. Man, what I a, I don't know, you know. Yeah, what a weird So, this gives me I have two thoughts here. First of all is that what a weird world and I think social media has has kind of crystallized this is that people see others only in their public persona. So, if somebody is a, you know, I don't know, academic theologian type, that's all that exists. So they, they can't be a family man. They can't be a sports fan. They can't be a music fan. They can't enjoy, you know, White Castle or whatever. Yeah. They're only this one thing. And so they have to kind of public publicly display a different persona to counterbalance that. The second thing, and this is this is more of a theory, is Taylor Swift just like, you know, we, we've talked about trying to get the uh, get the retweets or the the replies from Beth Moore is Taylor Swift like just the Beth Moore of music like it's people kind of putting themselves in that sphere to be like hey look I'm I'm kind of a nice guy like I'm I'm not a total jerk or I'm kind of fun is this is she just like she's just the Beth Moore of pop music for for this I mean I think I don't know that you could have said that better pipe um, that that's really astute that's a great that's a great comparison. I would say. I mean, I think it's just Taylor Swift. See, the thing is, you start to get into subjectivity. You know, you start to get into subjectivity wars whenever you talk about movies, music, art, film. You know, all those types of things. But Taylor is like one of these things where it's like she's like the she's like the Big Mac of music. It's like I don't, you know, I don't eat a Big Mac every day. Not everybody loves Big Macs, but in a general sense. There's a reason why it says on McDonald's like signage, you know, we sell 50 billion burgers a day or whatever it is, right? The, the, the fact is that everybody enjoys a Big Mac. Everybody will eat a Big Mac. And I think Taylor Swift kind of – she sort of carries that with her in terms of, you know, being a populist, you know, um, commercial 
artist. And it's like, and you know, sometimes we just like to go, Hey man, you know, I, I, I don't mind that. I like that. I like things that are a little cheesy. I like things that are a little commercial. I can lower my guard. I I can, you know, I can lighten up a little bit. And I think it's just, it's a re it's almost like a reactionary thing in the same way that, I mean, seriously, pipe, if I just went on social right now and I just said, dude, I'm just, I've been for the last six weeks, I've been going through that last Beth Moore, like, Bible study and I'm stoked. Like I would I would do that because I I would want to get people adding me. You know what I mean? And again, there's nothing wrong. I mean, the the Bible study is probably great. It's not anything against that. It's just the expectation that people would have of me would probably not be that I would be going through a Beth Moore study. Um and I think that's kind of what it is like what you just said with with uh, Swift. Yeah, I think it's I think it's fascinating that so Beth Moore, Taylor Swift, both, you know, Hugely popular in their field. Obviously, Taylor Swift is kind of hugely popular in everybody's field. Um, both of yeah. them are very good at what they do, uh, which means the contrarian people, particularly the sexist ones, really don't like them. <laughs> but that, but then people also want to use their success as like my posturing. So it's like, yeah, yeah it's it's a little bit like saying, uh, yeah, you know, I, I I occasionally eat McDonald's. Like, what do you what do you want a, a high five? Congratulations! They're everywhere. They're at every interstate exit. Like what? Good. I don't know. I don't know what to tell people. I just find it. I find it fascinating, and apparently listeners do too. All right. So, keeping in the realm of of the audio world, another listener, th- their entire question was just this: sound guys. Oh, dude. So yeah. I don't. Okay. I feel like there are stories to tell here, especially because you have been in an audio world as a musician and yeah. as a you've done some production and then now as a preacher you have dealt with a lot of sound guys oh my so gosh, yes let's discuss sound guy persona sound guy contrarianism uh the like the stereotypical sound guy is is very protective don't touch this treats this yeah. as if he's you know painting the sistine chapel uh when he, while he's pushing buttons um and so forth so expound upon sound guys what are what are your 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 experiences your uh what have you observed about their contrarian personas what are some of the best experiences you've had you know there's got to be some great ones out there ready to go yeah yeah dude i mean the sound guy thing is so fascinating because it's like what it is it's it's typically i mean if we want to break it down a little bit deeper if we want if we want to go a little more theological on it right it's almost like it's a you're talking about control right so you're talking about men and women who are behind this board and at the end of the day and you know whether anybody likes to admit it or not they hold the keys right um the whole oh, thing they, they like in, to admit it loudly well they and that they, and that is one of the things they like to admit that that's actually true but they hold the keys right so the whole thing rises and falls on them um they have this beautiful thing called a mute button and if they wanted to and if they wanted to probably lose their job they could just mute anybody whenever they want they can pull the volume down they get to decide how everything sounds and so i think that's so it it this is what's strange man so it feels like that whole realm that whole audio visual realm it it seems to draw people in that um that hot, that have that very high level of I need to control my environment kind of personality type. And so that's why you just get these you get these people that just seem to be overly cranky a little bit, <laughs> almost like I mean to to generalize, 
I mean, to, to stereotype it a little bit, they all seem a little bit cranky. But here's the thing that nobody ever gives credit to when it comes to sound guys is that they may just seem cranky, like they're just generally cranky guys. But the fact is, is that they're working with artists exclusively who are the or, worst or people in the world to work with. In, or in the same world. thing. Yeah. Pastors and artists. And so it's like, so when you think about it, whether it's like a sound guy at a club or a sound guy at a church or whatever it is, they're working with people that are just highly emotional and opinionated and just literally almost like existing in the depths of, of the world, you know, in, in their heart and in their mind. And so these guys have to somehow take all of that and they, and they, they have to, they have to make something happen in the midst of, of all of this existential angst that's coming at them from pastors and artists. And so on that level, um, they have a lot to deal with. But they also seem like people that love to be in a place where they're the go-to and they get to control everything. So it's this, it's this weird kind of thing. My favorite sound guys, honestly, are guys that you – these are the guys I like the best. They're the guys that you say, hey, um, man, would you, would you think about joining the sound team? And they're like, I, I mean – I've never, I've never listened to a song once in my life. Like, I don't, I don't even know what sound is. What is this word you're talking about? And then you, so I like the guys that you train and they don't, they never even saw themselves as a sound person. And so they don't carry any of that sort of control freakish kind of vibe with them into the sound booth every week. Those are the guys that to me are the, are the most fun guys to work with because they stay kind of humble. The guys that were like born engineers. You know, they they woke up as as they were they were birthed as Enneagram fives, and they're right. man, they're yeah, they're just like man. The first thing I want to do is read manuals. You know, I I got this manual for this soundboard on my nightstand. It's nine hundred and one pages, and I'm just gonna read it every night until I learn this thing. Those are the guys where you go, dude. You got it. Like you you just gotta relax, man. You gotta take this less serious. Uh so the I didn't. I kind of discovered the sound guy thing early, you know, so, yeah. um, when I, so I did youth ministry when I was in college and just out of college. And so we had, you know, we had a, a, a two speaker set up in our youth room. It was not, you know, it wasn't like a big mega church kind of whole, you know, stage set up, but just two speakers. And then a soundboard that had like, probably like, uh, eight, eight different tracks, you know, so you could, yeah. you could plug in a, yeah. like a keyboard, a couple vocals, uh, you know, guitar too. And like, and then just you know, super simple is what play a CD on it of, you know, DC talk or something. And, uh, and, and there was a, there was a volunteer guy. So he'd recently graduated from high school, but was still in the area kind of doing the gap year thing, which, uh, at that point it wasn't a gap year. It was just an aimless teenager. Um, and <laughs> he would, he would come in and like yell at me and like I ran the show. He'd come in and be like, you do not touch the soundboard. This is like he, he basically like hugged it the way like a, a starving homeless man does a plate of food kind totally. of thing. And yeah. uh, and I was like, oh, this is this is a real thing. And his dad yeah. ran sound for the church as a whole. Yeah. Uh, sim similar vibe. And uh, and so then I discovered, oh, this is like. This is a thing. And then I would, then I would, as I, as I worked at different churches and things, there would be like conversations that happened on the side of how do we get the sound guys to change something? We don't like this setting. We don't like yeah. the way this is. How do we get them to change it? And then it was like, and it, it was like figuring out how, how to net, you know, negotiate a, like the, like a cold war situation. How do we negotiate? So they don't drop an audio atomic bomb on us kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So then. I mean, yeah. 
as you say, then I then I got to Emmanuel where I am now, and I you know I just kind of assumed the sound guys are like that. I think like I thought all sound guys are like that. Come to find out, that's not true. Some of them it's live it's live to serve, and they are here yes. to. How do we make this the best experience for everybody? How do we how do we make it the best quality? They give input, and then they take input. It's this amazing thing called you know an exchange of ideas. Uh, they it's also are used to working Christianity. With, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, a little bit of humility, a little bit of grace. It, <laughs> Even even sound guys have it. So it it was it's it's been a revelation to me. But yeah, the the protective uh, obsessive sound guy thing is always amusing to me. It it I never mean, se- never ceases it, to make me laugh. I had such a bad experience a couple of decades ago with the sound thing um, because I was thrust into a ministry where I had a team of about eight sound guys that I had to manage, and it was such a harrowing experience <laughs> that. Uh, <laughs> I'm not kidding, man. And I, at that point, I mean, I, you know, I'd had a lot of music industry experience and, you know, working, working all those edges and corners. That just means they disliked um, you more. Uh, pretty much. I mean, there was a lot to that because the problem was, was that even as a musician and as a worship leader, I knew a little something about sound. And so that made it even worse when I would tell them to like adjust an EQ setting and they're looking at me. I'm like, yeah, I, 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 I'm telling you what I want you to do because I know what I want you to do, you know? And, um, and it was just such a horrible experience and it was a, it was a big church setting too. So it was, it was that vibe where people were allowed to be cranky and unkind. And somehow, I mean, it was, it was all done in the, in the name of excellence. So somehow that made it okay. Right. And so I remember like decades later when I'm, when, you know, where I'm church planting and I'm, I'm in smaller churches, I, I mean, I just do this thing now where I get with sound guys and I just go, Hey, you guys, um, this whole thing isn't going to turn into that like ever. Like you can make mistakes. Nobody has ultimate power control, including me. Um, man, we work together. We make this like a joyous occasion. This is not about making everything perfect. This is just about serving one another. So let's just, if there's any, if there's any of that weirdo control freak, like this is my space. I own this. Don't touch it. I said, you just have to lose that or it's not going to work because that's not the vibe. And so, Man, I would say at our church in the last decade, it's been awesome, man. We have these dudes, just what you described at Emmanuel. I mean, these guys are the opposite of of that. They all work together. Nobody takes, you know, owner crazy ownership. I mean, everybody's just happy to be there and do everything they can to make things sound good. It's it's pretty sweet. Yeah, in general, taking ownership in in ministry and volunteering positions should only apply to your own responsibilities. Like I own the responsibility. Right. Everything else you hold very open handed. That's also true for pastors. Like that's that's just across the hundred uh, percent. Yeah, man. All right. Next topic. And this is a this is a I feel like you will have really good insights on this. And the question is simply this why is everybody becoming Anglican? <laughs> that was that was the submitted question. And so uh, we were gonna do we remember we were gonna do an app a little while ago called Going Anglican, and I think we thought it would the tone was off with it and so we we held off on it i think is what happened um, yeah and and it we didn't want to make fun of the anglicans too much you know not, smells well, and bells all. and all yeah, that stuff all. but uh right because we all have friends that are and i don't want to you know I, I love them and i respect them so right but it does feel like you know with the with the con- the contentious everything happening in the pca and the southern baptist convention and i think you know, the E-Free Church maybe has, I don't know, do you, do you guys have stuff going on or are you guys pretty chill? 
Nah, we never have anything going on. Okay. You're just very, everybody's free and easy. That's great. Uh, like everybody the Christian Reformed Church is, right is a hot mess eyes. right now. Everybody's yeah. angry at everybody, and except the Anglicans, it seems like. And so, um, like Beth Moore recently tweeted about the kind of revelation yeah. experience of moving, going into a smaller, uh, she just called it a liturgical church, but let's just call it Anglican for. Yeah, for I think so. Giggles. I think that's accurate. Yeah. Um, Ray Ortland and Sam Albury, who are actually they're they're at Emmanuel, but they have both recently been named canon theologians for the Anglican Church, which, which I'm still super confused about. But go on. Yeah, I think it basically means like they check all the Anglican boxes, but they haven't been ordained into the Anglican Church. So basically, like they are ex- like acceptable theologians, and they kind of serve as part of it, but they're not. Anglican, Anglican. Um, Got it. it. Yeah, I don't. Again, I don't know if sure. that made any. I don't know if that helped at all. It just was a bunch I of mean, words. I don't know. I, I I just I believe every word you said. Yeah. So, and then of course, there's the long-standing trend of younger Christians moving toward liturgical uh, denominations in in the United States. That's that's pretty much the Anglican Church at this point because the other ones are, are kind of struggling. So, in terms of healthy denominations or at least Orthodox ones, that yeah. seems to be the Anglican Church. So. Why Anglican? Like, what's the what's the draw? And uh, you know, and when is their day coming? I guess is the same. Yeah, dude, I know, and that's always the that's always the question for me. I don't, I don't know. You know, I, I don't. I have to admit that I don't know enough about all the ins and outs of of, of the Anglican Church. I do know some people that have done what we call going Anglican, which seems to be a bit of a trend. Which is, I'm in a church. It's just sort of your vanilla evangelical Christian church. And it's, you know, I'm in this particular, it's not necessarily a bad church, um, but it's lacking, it's lacking some of the depth that I long for. And when I look into other traditions, such as the Anglican church, there is, um, there's just more of a emphasis on, you know, things like uh, beauty and history and tradition and things that haven't changed so much with the time. So you're you're looking at like a, a church tradition that doesn't become altered by by culture. And I think they for a certain kind of person that's that's really um you know that's really enticing for them. And I, I understand that. I mean, um I, what I always think is and again, there's good reasons for people leaving churches and going to other traditions. So this has nothing to do with that, of course, like a Beth Moore or who whoever. But I'm always just I'm always just, I always kind of back up and go, well, hold on. Like what you just said, Pipe, like the knee jerk is going to go both ways, right? So like, are we just part of a generation that's knee jerking out of our bland, vanilla, you know, kind of hypey, evangelical, very cliched, you know, um, you know, we just want everything to be entertainment kind of driven churches to something that has more tradition, more depth. But then at one point, like the next generation is going to go, oh, but this is like dead orthodoxy. And these traditions aren't these are all about this has you know, where's the evangelism and where is us kind of going out and, you know, reaching into the culture. And, you know, so we need to do that. And then you'll see you'll see that the trend just knee jerk back to what it what the pro- you know the previous generation was yeah. trying to knee jerk out of so i'm always wondering like well okay like do, should we just slow down when you know before we make well, these yeah, decisions yeah i mean my recollection is that the anglican church started as a knee jerk reaction because and my history could be way off on this so don't correct me i don't care um it, is that one of the kings of england i think henry the 8th wanted to get a divorce and he needed the pope's approval uh you know, and it's probably like his third or fifth wife or something. 
And uh, since he couldn't get the approval, he's like, fine, we're doing our own thing. And he just separated the Church of England from the Catholic Church. Um, I, I could be wrong about that, but I think that's that's kind of generally the case. So the Anglican Church started with a, fine, I'm going to take my ball and go home. And then people have been leaving the Anglican Church f- over the years because it became sort of hot, heavy-handed and, you know, greedy bishops and all this stuff. But but in recent years, you know, the pendulum has kind of swung back towards they have their roots in what seemed like the right place. You know, their foundations are on the stuff that really yeah. matters, not not a lot of the contentious denominational stuff. And so, yeah, I mean, I hope their day never comes. I would love it if a denomination stayed healthy for like eight centuries straight. That would be incredible. Can you imagine? No, I, I can't actually. Not even a little bit. It's not, right. We're just we're too we're living in an era where we're where it's it's hard not to be cynical about those kind of things, right? But, yeah, but I I do think so. So you go back if you go back to uh, like Carl Henry and J.I. Packer and, and Billy Graham, some of these guys who were kind of core evangelicals in the in the middle of the 20th century. When I say evangelicals, I mean like the original definition where people are yeah. it's the word of God, it's salvation, it's it's evangelism. Like we are that that's what we're built around. Yeah, the OG Anglican Church has, yeah. has kind of maintained those core things. It's built on the word of God. It's built on worship. It's built on yeah. um, being on mission where you are, uh, you know, in terms of taking the light of Christ into the world, uh, on on personal holiness and, you know, walking with the Lord. And then it does seem like because of the liturgy, there's more unity among the people. So yeah. it's not just sort of the individualistic Christianity. So I think there's a lot of appealing stuff about that. I also yeah, think for, for sure. young people who are bored with, you know, f- flashy, uh, flashy worship, seven words sung eleven times on repeat by a dude in skinny jeans and Jordans, um, it it has a strong like, oh, this is this. There's some there's some gravity here. There's there's different substance here. So I think that's I think that's a real thing too. Yeah, for sure. I think it's like you know you get got you. It's like kids listening to Taylor Swift. And then at some point they discover like late period Beatles records, you know, and they go, okay, so I, I don't know that I've really been listening to music. And then I discovered this and my eyes have been opened and I want to get back to the roots. I want to get back to when music was made for the sake of art and not just commercial viability. You know, it's, it's like that. It's that same kind of a thing. And there's like, that's good, right? Cause you're opening your eyes to things that do have a, a, a richness and a tradition and they're probably more deeply anchored and they stay that way. So in a world that is constantly in flux, there, you have this one piece of your world um, that remains unchanged. I think, I, I think there's a legitimacy to that and a value to that. So certainly it's not anything that we're trying to we're certainly not making fun of it as much as we're just saying it's curious, yeah. you know, um, that that well, tradition in particular. And I would yeah. I would offer one caution. I mean, there's probably lots of cautions, but one particularly. And your your Taylor Swift Beatles example uh, brought this to mind. Now, I also feel like you're trying to target me because I can't stand the Beatles, but I understand your point. When you leave something behind and move on to something else, the instinctive reaction is to crap on the thing you just left behind. You know, Correct. so you're yeah. like, oh, I've graduated from that. I don't do that anymore. That right. silliness. <laughs> right. You're like, you just gave eight years of your life to having a great time with this. Maybe you can hold on to that and go, man, it was a blast, and now this is the right thing for me, and you don't have to. So the I think the risk of the young the younger Christians moving into Anglicanism 
or any sort of high church is to basically poo-poo what they came out of, not realizing that's your roots. There's probably a lot of good experiences in it. Some of you got burned yeah. badly. Uh, some of you have way overplayed the the hand of being burned. You didn't get burned. You got bored. Those are two different things. Uh, wow. Yeah. And and so, yeah. Don't like. There doesn't need to be sort of the combativeness of. I found the true church because at some point you're going to get frustrated where you are. Every church has its warts. Like stick around for a minute. You'll get, you'll get frustrated. So uh, that doesn't mean leave. It just means reality sets in. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think it's just like, I think whenever we make decisions that are, you know, I think what wisdom does and what spiritual maturity does for us is it just allows us to pause and to, to ponder a little bit more. It could be that we need to make a decision like that. And it could be that we're in an environment or denomination that is just, it, it isn't, you know, it isn't something that is, um, you know, good for our soul and in, you know, maybe a variety of ways. Um, but again, you know, I, I think graciousness allows us to move to something new or a new tradition and also look back and, and just sort of recount, um, you know, the value of what we left and the ways that God used that in our lives. And I just, I just think wisdom allows us to, to do that. We don't have to hate one thing to embrace a new thing. And we, we just have to learn how to be better at that. And oh, that's I, and like the most countercultural thing that we've said on this podcast for seven years. <laughs> and luckily we have Twitter pipe, which is really good at that and, and helps us all not do that. Yeah. So it's su- super thing. balanced, great at nuance, very open handed. Hundred percent. Yeah, I'm really grateful for Twitter for that reason. <laughs> um, all right, I think we should. I think we should conclude this podcast with a handful of quick hitters. Um, so these are ones that I don't think they're worthy of a conversation, but they're worthy of an opinion. Um, so I'm just going to run through them, and uh, we'll just we'll just chat about them briefly. Yeah, so the it, first one is uh, soup versus stew. A, what's the difference? And B, you know what what do you what do you choose out of those two? Soup versus stew. Oh man, um, I go for a stew. I'll tell you why, man. Because I I like things. I like to be able to chew on stuff. So I like like the other day, Big M made this soup, and by the end of it, she'd put so much stuff in this thing that she was like, "I don't even know if I can call it a soup." And I'm like, "Babe, it's cool. Like whatever we call it or don't call it, I'm just telling you right now, I love it because there's so much stuff in it. And I so like just like a like a plain tomato soup, which is great." I just find myself throwing like two bags of crackers in that thing and enough cheese just and coats the bottom of the bowl. Yeah. Like literally like so much cheese that I'm just eating a bowl of cheese because I, I like a little texture. That's just me. I love texture. I love things to chew and, and all of that. So I'm going to go with a stew or a, or a stew like soup every time. Yeah. I think that, I don't know what the technical difference is, but I think it's what you just said. It's like large chunks of, of edible food in there versus, you know, more of a broth based thing. And the other is a little bit more gravy versus broth based. Uh, there's a difference. I'm with you. Uh, my main reason is I like to be full when I'm done eating and, uh, soup is like being on a juice cleanse. So it's, you know, it, it needs to have enough substance that I walk away going, I'm, that was that was satisfactory. <laughs> or pipe, you just eat so much bread with it that you defeated the whole point right. of it anyway. So I know it just people like doesn't matter. Oh, I know. Like we used to we used to do catered lunches at jobs at a previous time. They're like, it's gonna be a soup and salad lunch, and I'm like, I'm gonna die. Like <laughs> neither of these are substance. These are both like these are these are side dishes and decorations. This is terrible. Yeah. 
I mean, because I mean, at the end of the day, you know, when you when you drink tomato soup, you typically have a grilled cheese sandwich to accompany it for a reason. Yes. Right? Yeah. It's the and the reason is uh, food getting full. Um, okay. Next. Next one on the quick hitter. Are you a drive-through guy or a park and go inside guy? Oh, dude, that is a great, great question. Um, I tend, I used to be a drive-through guy years ago. I'm not anymore. I, I like, I sort of like going through the, uh, the, I like going through the motions of stopping, going in and making more of a, of a thing out of it. Now it doesn't mean I'm going to eat in, but I, I just, man, I hate sitting in a drive-through. Um, so I would rather just kind of go in and stretch my legs and, um, just get out of the car. For, I'm always thinking of it in terms of like a longer trip. Yes, but that doesn't yeah. have to apply either. But yeah, I I typically in my old age now, I just like I kind of like to get out. I hear you. See, I'm still a drive-through guy, but n- only because I haven't learned my lesson yet. Um, no, I, that's good. the The drive-through experience has a ceiling of that was fine, and a floor of I want to commit mass murder. So there's. The best you can get out of a drive-through is efficiency, and I guess that's what you're going for. But even yeah, then, that's pretty absolutely. rare. Like unless you're at Chick Fil A, you can't guarantee that. So I really ought to learn to just go inside. You also get the benefit of the yeah the stretching of the legs. There's an opportunity to restroom if it's a road trip, uh, that kind of thing. So uh, I am a drive-through guy, but um, only because I'm stubborn and insist that the experience might be better this next time than it has been the last 312 times. But I'm with you, Pipe. I mean, I still do drive-throughs too. Um, I think this is what I do though too. Like sometimes that drive-through is like 41 miles long, and you like look in like the whatever, like the lobby, and there's like one person in line. So I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm just gonna I'm gonna go in, and it's gonna be quicker, you know. Uh, and then you get in there and realize that all of the employees are dedicated to drive-through, and they have like the one lady twirling her hair at the counter who's like, I'm sorry, what do you want? And they forget yeah, your dude, order I know. and they you get can't- it wrong and. Yeah, so like the person that right, so the person you would have been behind, you see them go through the drive-through and get their food before. Like it would have been quicker in the end. Yes. Yeah. All right. Last quick hitter. Um, at least I think this is going to be quick. I know this is a this is a dear dear to your heart. Oh, boy. Um, one holiday food that needs to go, and one holiday food that you must have. Like one uh, one throwaway. One this is a must. And holiday could be yeah. Thanksgiving, could be Christmas, could be seasonal. Just like with this this time of year, ready to go. All right, I'm going to be honest with you, man. I think we have some agreement with this pipe. Um, I, if I never eat another turkey again, I'm totally good. Yes, um, I would oh, love God. to replace turkey with. I'm okay with having all the the sides with it, but I'm always like, can we just let's do a different meat? I'd be I'd be great with that. Um, but I live with a Thanksgiving traditionalist who says this is the one meal a year that I want it to be exactly the same, and so that's what we roll with, and I'm that's fine too. There's um, there's value in that. Uh, the value is not in the food, however. So it's, yeah, yeah, for sure, hundred percent. So I I don't love that. Like I just yeah, it's not something. It's just not something I, I. It's not something I crave, but I eat it, and I'm okay, and it's great, and I'm happy, you know. But if you gave me my choice, I'd be like, well, I, yeah. I mean, can we can we swap that out for something? I'm all for. I'm good with that, you know. Um, now, something that I can't, that I have to have. Um, oh my gosh, man! You know how bad I am on the spot with these things, pipe. Um, what? Well, why don't you talk, man? What do you got? Okay, so uh, yeah, I'll go with you on the food that has to go. Um, we just we're at the time of this recording. Thanksgiving is um, tomorrow, so yes, I'm going to go traditional Thanksgiving food that has to go. At least it's traditional in some households. It is the sweet potato casserole with marshmallows on top. Oh, dude, has huh. to go. 
Interesting. See, I there like I've one with a it. great like pecan brown sugar crumble uh, crust yeah. on top. That I'm here for. So it's not the sweet potatoes; it's the marshmallows. I feel like the marshmallows are basically trying to uh, get kids to eat a thing that they don't want to eat, and so. But it, oh. it's really just like. It's okay. like the it's like the pixie sticks of Thanksgiving food. You're like this is just <laughs> this is just kind of over the top gross. Well, dude, is that like a okay? So I've never had that because I did not grow up with your a mother you. that made it. What's that? Say because your parents loved you. Apparently, well, dude, I don't know. I mean, they made a lot of horrible things, but like I, they um, but like Big M, that would be. I mean, I hate saying this. That would like be beneath her to put marshmallows. On her sweet potato, she would never do that in nine hundred and fifty-eight thousand years. That's I mean, because that's because you uh, that's because God brought you a wonderful woman with good taste. <laughs> well, that that is true. So, that's one hundred percent. But yeah, um, but it, I, it might know, be a solidly yeah. like Midwestern thing. I don't know who it? does it, but like it was it was on our table every year growing up, and I always tried to like it. And what I ended up doing was just eating the marshmallows because like I was yeah. a kid. I'm like, well, I like marshmallows. Um, yeah, and then as an adult, I discovered, oh, you can. You can put stuff on top that's like brown sugar, butter, pecans, and like it's this wonderful. It's, yeah, it's so so good. I've had some of that, and it's kind of desserty. I think yeah. so. I had to acquire taste for that pipe. So growing up, I always skipped the sweet potatoes because I didn't like them, and I think right. it was a texture thing, or I, you know, it was just it just wasn't kid enough. You know, it wasn't kid right. oriented enough. But like later in life, I mean, dude, it's delicious. There's no doubt about it. You know. Yeah, so that's my one that has to go is the marshmallow. The one that is a must, and um, it's it, it's kind of a category. It is uh, it is the apple pie, apple crisp family of foods. And as yeah. far as I'm concerned, that can start right around you know October and yeah. take me right on through Christmas. Uh, yeah. Is yeah, apple yeah. pie is I mean I'll, I'll eat it any time of year, but in terms of seasonal, like that is it is the quintessential fall winter. Uh, festive, homey, delicious food, and I don't care if it's a pie or a or a or an apple crisp. I'm good with either. I love both. I love both those two a pipe. I love those so much, and I love my main thing. It's kind of a random one, but I am just gaga for caramel apples with peanuts on them. I just i I can eat them with all day. Peanuts. That's never very get tired specific. Of I love it. It's my. It's chewy. I love it when the caramel's so hard that I feel like my teeth are gonna break, and I, it takes me about an hour to chew every bite. Like I, dude, I love it so much. I can't stand it. I would. I would eat like four of those things a day, every day. Never get sick of them. That's how much I love it. I don't know what. I don't know what the deal is. I mean, it, so. it's. I, lo- I like. I'm a. I'm an efficient caramel apple eater. So I'm like, slice up the apple and give me caramel dip because then I can get through more of them faster and I can shovel I caramel. I understand. And, yeah. So it's yeah. It, it and the ratio of every bite is exactly what you want. You don't like get into the middle of the apple and go, oh, there's no caramel in here. So yeah. <laughs> it's that's it's the that problem. Thing. That's why that's why you gotta dip those things to the point where they're in, they're completely immersed. Yeah. And there is not one part of them that isn't covered. Yeah. I mean, I have it down to a science, but um yeah, that would be it for me, man. That is a dessert for me that it's not really dessert because it's not like I eat them out. I just eat them during the day. And if I if I make them, I just keep eating them all. I'm literally eating them all. I shouldn't even be admitting this. I'm just eating them all day. It's like pure gluttony. It's caramel apple gluttony. Your I don't know. Dentist is so happy to hear this. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, if I ever visit. I mean, you know, I, I, I haven't seen him for a couple dentist. of decades. But, yeah, he'd, he'd be like, oh, dude, it's been a rough run for you with the caramel apples, hasn't it, Big R? And I'd be like, uh, as a matter of fact, it has. They're like, not rough. It's been wonderful. It's <laughs> exactly. 
All right. Well, I think we should probably land this plane now. Um, But before we do, listeners, let me tell you about our last sponsor, and it is the Dwell Bible app. If you go to dwellapp.io slash happyrant, you can check out their site, check out their features. You can also see the discounts they offer for our listeners. One thing to highlight that Dwell is rolling out uh, in early 2022, so January of 2022, is a full reading uh, feature to go along with their listening feature. So they've had a read along thing and that kind of functions like karaoke lyrics or like the, the, the word scroll as you listen, they're just rolling out a full reading app with all the Bible versions, all the highlighting features, saving features, um, similar to what you would use in like, a you know, any other, any other Bible reading app. And so you can basically have all of your, uh, Bible reading and listening experience in one place instead of having to switch back and forth. Um, and they, if you go to, again, you go to dwellapp.io slash happy rant, you can see the discounts. And then at the top is a little thing that says blog. They have a whole blog post laying out the features. It looks really nice. So again, check out dwell. They have a 33% discount for our listeners off of their lifetime subscription, 10% off of an annual subscription. And then you can also give these as gifts. So uh, if, if you've already gotten it and you love it, uh, we had one listener who said I wasn't sold on it, so I bought it for my brother-in-law, and uh, he ended up liking it enough that I ended up buying it. So it was sort of a nice. it was like a test run on the in-laws, and I'm like, fine, great, yes, test this out on other people who you like less, and then you'll discover that it's worth buying. So always go- the best way to do it. Yeah, absolutely. If you're not sure you like something, give it to somebody you're not sure you like, and uh, and it'll 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 all come back around in the end. So again, listeners, go to Dwell App. Dot io slash happy rant check out their features check out uh this the full full listening and reading experience and uh, get those discounts thanks so much for listening with us today uh and i can't do it like ted does i just don't i don't have his resonance but i'm gonna give it a shot here it's okay until next time the happy rant is brought to you by resonate recordings if you go to resonaterecordings.com, you can see the full range of services they offer. So if you're considering starting a podcast, they are the ones we recommend going with. Again, go to resonaterecordings.com to see their prices, to connect with them and ask any questions, and to see what they can do to help you launch, edit, master, and improve your podcast. Again, go to resonaterecordings.com to see what they can do to help you launch and improve your podcast. Hello, this is Dr. Doug Grotheis, host of Truth Tribe, where we seek the truth through reason and evidence about what matters most. And we are not tribal since truth is for everyone. Please join me at the Truth Tribe as I discuss the reasons for Christian faith, the Christian worldview, and moral issues such as abortion and gender ideology. To listen now, go to lifeaudio.com or search Truth Tribe on your favorite podcast app.